Turn your Bibles, if you would, to Ecclesiastes chapter number 8. I love the book of Ecclesiastes. I love this particular passage. I want to talk to you about it in just a moment. I'm going to speak on a subject tonight that I think is absolutely essential. I call it humility, the crown jewel of the Christian. And I really believe there's nothing more needed today in our walk with God personally than what we would call humility. And um, I know that we have defined it in many ways. You probably have uh, thoughts of humble people and so on. But I wanted to speak to you tonight on one of the big hindrances uh, to being humble uh, would be pride. And so I want you to look with me, if you would, Ecclesiastes chapter 8. I'm just going to read the first verse to you, and then I'll have a word of prayer and explain to you um, a little bit more uh, of what the need is for our walk with God. Look at the verse, if you would. Ecclesiastes chapter 8, verse number 1. It says, Who is as the wise man? And who knows the interpretation of a thing? A man's wisdom makes his face to shine, and the boldness of his face shall be changed. Father, I ask that you would help me with this simple message tonight. Help us to learn from your word. Help us to be honest and real and humble people. In Jesus' name, amen. I want you to think about a verse. You don't have to turn there. It's in Psalm 139. Many of you probably have it memorized. It says, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts and see if there be any wicked way in me and lead me in the way of everlasting. How do... How do we appear to others? How, does, how, how do we see ourselves? Um, how does God see us? And, and I think really with this particular subject of searching our hearts and this desire to be able to be humble, I think I need to speak on just for a few minutes on pride. A prideful spirit can be a self-centered spirit or self-centered life. What is clearly manifested in others may not uh, be seen personally. Sometimes you have to have a real honest person to come to you and tell you, well, that's not, that's a very prideful thing to do. Um, And you may not even understand that you have pride in your life. You may not even really think you do. I remember one time when my wife had said that if I'm always late uh, to a meeting, it would show that I'm, I'm prideful because I'm thinking the other person's going to wait for me all the time. And I think it was Tammy that had said that to me, and it, it convicted me. This particular message convicted me because I think that every single one of us have pride. And I, and I don't necessarily look at pride as, as, a, as a complete horrible thing. I remember when the little boys were young, we had these little shirts that Tammy made, and it said, I'm proud to be a Howell boy. Or I'm proud to be a Howell, I think it said, right, on it, Tammy? Something like that. Howell kid. Howell kid. And, of course, they were just little uh, children and nothing really um, wrong with that. Uh, but I, I just really believe that since we live in a culture that we live in today, that we as Christians can have a little problem with pride. And so I want to give you ten traits. I'll go through them rather quickly uh, of somebody who may have pride in their life. And so... Uh, this, first of all, is it's a secret. It's a secret. It's a, it's a trait that 
really nobody knows about. I just wrote down a secret spirit of pride. And, and what, what, how is that defined? It, well, it's an exalted feeling in, in view of your own success or your position that you hold. Maybe it's the position of your job or some of the accomplishments that you have done. And an exalted feeling of yourself because of your good training. It, it might just be because you have this um, exalted feeling about yourself because of your appearance. Somebody has told you that you're handsome or someone's told you that you're beautiful or, or pretty perhaps. And then they have this pride and arrogance in their life. And they don't mean to have that, but they, they have this sense of feeling like they're, they're better than most or not just maybe because of their appearance or because their natural gifts or their abilities and somebody would walk up to them and say, you have this incredible gift and so that person may have an exalted feeling that's secret within their own selves because of their success or their position. Um, I think really that a person that has that secret spirit of pride they have this important independent spirit, and it comes across with a personal stiffness or a preciseness of disposition. In other words, everything has to be just perfect all the time. And you may not see that in your life, and you may not see it unless somebody exposes it to you, and you would ask, oh Lord, search me, and, and if I have this spirit of pride, show me so that I can change and become the kind of person you want me to become. I think one of the other traits is a love of human praise when there's a secret fondness to be noticed um, and, they, and they, they like to be noticed. They, they want to be seen. I don't know if you've ever said it before, but sometimes when you have a loud child, we'll say, you know, so-and-so, we know you're here. Settle down a little bit. That person may have and not realize that this is pride in their life. A secret fondness to be noticed, a love for supremacy, a drawing attention to self in conversations, and they have this love for human praise, a swelling out of self when you have the platform, when you have an opportunity to speak or an opportunity to pray, and even your prayers became, become self-oriented. There's that love for human praise. A third trait, I really believe, is the stirring of anger constantly and very impatient with people. You call it nervousness, perhaps, or holy indignation, um, a touchy, sensitive spirit, a disposition to resent and retaliate when disapproved of, or when you're contradicted. There is this incredible stirring and anger and impatience within you, a desire to throw sharp, heated flings at somebody who actually mentions that perhaps maybe... What you're talking about isn't true. And your voice will get a little bit higher, and your anger will come. And I'm just throwing these out to help you understand that perhaps there is a hidden pride in your life, and you realize that it's actually coming out now as you get older, perhaps. I think another trait would be someone who is self-willed. Self-will is one of the indicators that their person is not ready to be in a position of serving the Lord. We actually see that in 1 Timothy chapter 3, where someone who is actually uh, holding up the Scriptures ought to be someone who is not self-willed. Listen to this. 
A self-willed person is going to be stubborn and has an unteachable spirit. They have this incredible desire to continue to argue, and they're very talkative. And once you get them going, you can't get them to be quiet because all they're doing is throwing out words. They're harsh and sarcastic in their expressions. They're unyielding. They're headstrong. They're, they have this arrogant disposition, a commanding spirit, a disposition to criticize and to pick flaws when set aside and unnoticed. They'll find somebody else to cut down. It's a peevish, frightful spirit, a disposition that loves to be coaxed and humored somewhat, but then there is this self-willed. Self-willed people, I do not believe, understand what they're doing when they want to please themselves all the time. This is an indicator that maybe there's some pride within your life. And as I began to study this and write this all out and put it together, I started thinking, I've got issues, people. And I've got troubles, and I can't say that this is what somebody else is like. There's too much of this in me as your pastor at times, and I, I tell you that it's, it's a battle that we all must deal with. Pride is a horrible thing. Humility is an awesome character trait. There's also the, the trait of, of carnal fear. In other words, a man-fearing spirit a shrinking from reproach and duty, a shrinking from doing your whole duty to those that are wealthy or have a position of authority. You become fearful uh, that someone would be offended or drive someone prominent away because of you being afraid of man. The Bible tells us that we ought not to be afraid of man. We ought to fear God. We ought to have an incredible, holy disposition of reverence toward God and not toward man. What can man do for you? And what can man do to you? Absolutely nothing. You ought to fear no man. You ought to fear God. Sometimes when you have a prideful disposition, you have this carnal, fleshly fear and try to pamper people. I'm just going to go a little further. Sometimes when you're talking to someone and they'll say to you, I got to see sit down and talk to Elvis Presley or somebody. I don't know. I just picked him up. You know, it's a big deal. You know? I'm, or I got to talk to so-and-so. You know? I've got a brother that actually took a picture with Donald Trump at one time. And, you know, and, and I'm not the kind of guy that says, wow, can I see that? Isn't that neat? Oh, wow. You know? Maybe perhaps if I would take a picture of Don Sisk, maybe, who's been uh, the director over BIMI for many years, that he's done the eternal work for I don't know how many years, I think 80 years probably. I think he's almost 100 years old, Don Sisk. He gets to travel still. I would see him this week if I was at leadership conference. And I enjoyed shaking hands and standing next to Ron Hamilton, and I enjoyed meeting uh, Paul Chapel and other people. But I don't give credence to men. I give my loyalty and my reverence to the God of heaven. He is the one. 
And I think it's important for us to understand a little bit more of this. There's that carnal fear. Number six, as far as uh, dispositions or traits, number one is a, or number six would be a jealous disposition, a secret spirit of envy, shut up in your heart, an unpleasant sensation in view of a great prosperity and the success of another, a disposition to speak of the faults and feelings rather than the gifts and virtues of those who are more talented and appreciated than yourself. A jealous disposition is evidence that you're dealing with pride and arrogance. I remember my uncle preaching here a couple years ago. He was talking about somebody who got a new car, and he got so excited about it, and he thought, man, that's just so wonderful. And my uncle, I wish he probably at that time could have had a new car, and you know how Pat preaches. He preaches more uh, personal and so on. And sometimes when somebody has something new, they get a new vehicle or they get a new car, you kind of shun back and you're not happy for them. You ought to be so excited for them because God allowed them to have that. But if you're jealous and you have this secret envy shut up within your heart, there's a little pride problem going on. Number seven, a dishonest disposition. And evading or covering the truth. A covering up of your own real faults. A lot of times people will do this through changing the subject or saying something funny or whatever. But it really is a dishonest disposition and an unwillingness to uncover the faults that you have. You want to leave a better impression of yourself, but really you understand that it strictly is not true. There's a false humility And sometimes with the dishonest disposition, there's exaggeration going on. There's the straining of the truth that happens. It's an indication that there's pride. Number eight is unbelief. A spirit of discouragement in times of pressure and opposition. A lack of quietness and confidence in God. The lack of faith and trust in God. The disposition to worry and complain in the midst of pain and poverty or at the dispensation of divine providence, or an over-anxious feeling whether everything will come out all right. Sometimes when you have issues with unbelief, it's because you want to be in control. And ultimately, if you are in control and left in control, nothing's going to happen because you can't do anything outside of God. And number nine... Formality and deadness comes out of pride, a lack of concern for lost souls, a dying, a dryness and a difference, uh, a lack of power with God. And then lastly, it would be a, a selfishness alone, a love of ease, a love of money. That's all part of someone who is being prideful. And so I want to shift gears a little bit because we would actually talk about people that were in the scriptures and we could do that tonight. And if I was to ask you, who in the scriptures was a prideful person? Many of you would say maybe Pharaoh was a prideful person. But I can tell you that the apostle Paul, who was once Saul, was a prideful man. And God humbled him. He was prideful because he had all of these credentials, if you would, but he traded all of that in and he said, I want to treat that as dung, but give me the cross and give me Christ and him crucified. Let 
the Lord, the Lord be my power and my strength. And so when we talk about humility then, humility ought to be uh, a virtue that every Christian should pursue. And so I would say, Lord, whatever it takes, then help me to be the kind of person that I need to be in the area of humility. Proverbs 22.4 says, By humility and the fear of the Lord are riches and honor and life. The Bible says in Matthew chapter 18, verse number 4, it says, Whosoever therefore shall, be, shall humble himself as this little child, the same is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. The Bible says in Luke 22, verse number 24, And there also was strife among them, that which of them should be accounted the greatest? And he said unto them, The kings and the Gentiles exercised lordship over them, And they that exercise authority upon them are called benefactors, but you shall not be so. But he that is greatest among you, let him be the younger. And he that be chief, he that doth serve. For whether is greater, he that sitteth at meat, or he that serves. Is it not he that sits at meat? But I among you are as one who serves." And so when we're talking about humility, we see that God looks at it a little differently than we look at this world system. And I've been out there. I understand what it was like to have a loudmouth marine, uh, 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 maybe an autocratic leader, if you would, that would beller out the commands. And all the men would listen to him. And he was probably the greatest because he had a black belt around him and his hat on. And he was called the DI or the drill instructor. And I was in all of that autocratic understanding. I was in the postal service and I understood how the leadership was working and how that those were some that actually led. But I find out really that true leadership is when you serve people and you're humble enough to even clean the boots of the people that are over you. thought about my opportunity to be in charge of the Bayview Post Office years ago. I was only 23, 24 years old. And I remember brought into the office, the postmaster began to talk to me and began to train me to take over some things. I had to be responsible for the walk-in revenue of, of all the clerks that were there and all of the routes. We had 52 routes. We had 60-some carriers. And to collect all that money, and I, I just would say, Lord, I can't do this. And sometimes I would weep at it because it was just too much involved. But God gave me grace to get it done. And everything that came along and I could say, Lord, I'm not good enough to do this. I can't do this. God would say, then I can use you to do it then. Because if we have an attitude that we can do this no matter what, and we have an arrogance about us, God is going to show us really who's in charge sooner or later. Humility is a strange thing. The moment that you think you have acquired it, it's just the moment that you've lost it. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 12, Wherefore, let him that thinketh he stands take heed lest he fall. We've heard of this before. Another observation is the greatest example of humility is found in Jesus Christ. Because remember the words in Philippians chapter 2, Verses 5 through 11, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant 
and was made in the likeness of men, and being found in the fashion as a man, he humbled himself. Look at the verbs. He became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Wherefore God also hath highly exalted him, and giveth him a name which is above every name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth. And that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And if we are ever going to bring God glory, we must humble our hearts like Jesus did. And say, I'm not going to make myself of any reputation. I am going to serve, serve, serve. It's part of the process of showing true humility. Solomon tells us in Proverbs 6, 15, verse number 33, it says, The fear of the Lord is the instruction of wisdom, and before honor is humility. And so before you are actually going to be honored, there must be humility. Ecclesiastes chapter 8 is full of an understanding concerning humility. And I want to show you some things really quick here tonight. It's already 7 o'clock, but I want to show you some things out of, out of these few verses here. Verses number 1, I want to just show you, first of all, that humility is knowing what you do, what you do not know. I think the first thing that humility teaches us is that you don't know everything. And when you admit that, you'll be able to reach more for the Lord Jesus Christ. Have you ever met a know-it-all? They just go on and on about everything they know. Listen to the first verse. Who is as a wise man? And who knows the interpretation of a thing? A man's wisdom makes his face shine, and the boldness of his face shall be changed. What does that mean? You know, I looked it up and I began to study it a little bit more. And even this afternoon, I I added a little little more to it because it says the boldness of his face shall change. And what is that talking about, the boldness of his face? That particular word boldness is the only mention one time in the Old Testament, that particular Hebrew word. And and it's talking about strength, of course, but it it is his face actually changes because he knows what he is doing is right because it is... It is God giving him that wisdom. I think that when someone is full of God's wisdom and understanding and has the humility that God wants them to have, there's, there's something about their face. It actually tells us in the text that their face is going to shine because they have that wisdom. I did one of the commentators say that it, it actually removes uh, the expression of gloom and fierceness from off their face. You know, I'm telling you folks, I, I have an issue with this. My eyebrows are always down, and I'm always looking like I'm angry. I come into the house sometimes, and, and whether it's my wife or my sons, they'll say, put your eyebrows up, Dad. You know, I'm perplexed over something or, or bothered a little bit, and maybe it's because I'm not a very wise person. I've had to ask God for strength and for knowledge and for wisdom all of these years to be able to get through all the things that have been required of me and I've been responsible for, but I don't have it on my own. And if I get into the flesh, my eyebrows go down, and I'm grumpy with everybody, and I'm like, I'm like in, in, in Woodman's getting angry with people, saying, get your cart out of the way. I need to get to the oatmeal. Because of pride.
we must be aware of being wise in our own eyes. The Bible says in Proverbs chapter 3, verse number 6 and 7, And in thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. But be not wise in thine own eyes, and fear the Lord, and depart from evil. James chapter 4, verse number 6 says, But he that gives more grace, but he gives more grace, wherefore he saith, God resists the what? The proud. But he gives grace to the humble. He gives grace unto the humble. Wow, do you need grace? I do. So we must be, we must pursue humility. The Bible says in the same passage, James chapter 4, you're talking about going through James. Verse number 10 of chapter 4 says, Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he shall lift you up. But look at verses 2 through 7. I don't have time to read all of these verses, but listen, I'll, I'll read them rather quickly. It says, I counsel thee to keep the king's commandments, and that in regard of the oath of God, be not hasty to go out of his sight, stand not in an evil thing, for he doth whatsoever pleases him. And where the word of the king is, there is power, and who may say unto him, What doest thou? Whoso keepeth the commandment shall feel no evil thing. And a wise man's heart discerneth both time and judgment, being able to discern, basically. Because to every purpose there is a time and judgment. Therefore the misery of a man is great upon him. For he knows not that which he shall be. For who can tell him when, or really why, it shall be? As we look at this particular portion, I really believe that humility is living with what you do not like. (laughs) There are some things that you're not going to like, but please live with it. Realize that God has allowed these things into your life, and if you don't like it, be humble enough to say, Lord, I'm willing to accept it. The Bible says in 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 5 and 6, Likewise, you younger, submit yourselves unto the elder, yea, all who, are, who be subject one to another, and be clothed with humility, for God resists the proud and gives grace unto the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time. So being in a situation that you cannot control can be very, very humbling. I remember having the back surgery and talking to many of you at church here that were telling me that your back surgery went really well and I was really happy for you that it went well. My mom even had back surgery. She may be watching tonight. And she said, it's a piece of cake, you know. You'll be back up and going in a week or so. Um, Somebody had the same thing that I had done. Um, But I don't think they had the same person do it. Because there might have been a, a person that didn't really know as much as the person that did yours that did mine. And uh, I remember laying there at the hospital <laughs> and just excruciating pain. And I'm saying, I don't like this. And I couldn't change anything. I came home and I would make circles around in our great room with my walker in front of my, ma- my wife and, and, and thinking to myself, here I am like a big baby. I mean, I can, I can do a lot of things, but when I'm hurt, you can't do anything, and it messes with your brain. 
I wish I could explain it to you. It was very humbling. Being in a situation that you cannot control can be very humbling. Humility is living with what you do not like. Verses 2 through 7. Look at 8 through 14. The Bible says there is no man that hath power over the spirit to retain the spirit. And neither hath he power in the day of death. And there is no discharge in that war, no release if there would of handing over the, the, the weapons. Neither shall wickedness deliver those that are given to it. And all this have I seen and applied my heart unto every work that is done under the sun. And there is a time wherein one man rules over another to his own hurt. And so I saw the wicked buried who had come and gone from the place of the holy, and they were forgotten in the city. And where they had so done, there is also vanity, because sentence against an evil work is not executed speedily, and therefore the heart of the sons of men is fully set to them to do evil. The second thing I want you to think about, or the third thing, is that humility is accepting what you cannot change. I have no control over when I'm going to die. Neither do you. There are certain things that you cannot change. Distress in verse number 9. Death in verse number 8. Deception in verse number 10. Defiance in verses 11 through 14. But humility is accepting what you cannot change. In verse number 15, humility is enjoying what you cannot explain. The Bible says in verse number 15, if you look at your Bible, though a sinner do evil a hundred times and his days be prolonged, yet surely I know that it shall be well with them that fear God, which fear before him. And sometimes we can't explain it, but it just seems like the ungodly person is happier And maybe some of you young people believe that. You believe that those people that are making all of those TikTok uh, movies or maybe those that are in Hollywood or those that are actually uh, millionaires are more happy than you are. And you can't figure it out in your own mind. And you can't explain it all. Listen, you can still enjoy walking with God when you don't understand everything at your age. And it is our privilege to choose or not to choose whether we're going to be upset. I think what's interesting is we look at the book of Ecclesiastes and just in closing and wrapping it up here, I think it's important for us to know that God allows us in this life to, to have certain things and it's his choosing for us and we can accept it and, and, and give him glory and enjoy it even if we don't understand it all. And I think that he does desire for us to enjoy this life and to be able to have what he's given to us because it's our portion that he decided to give to us. It's all over in the book of Ecclesiastes. But I want to read one verse to you. It's in chapter 3, verse 22. It says, Wherefore I perceive that there is nothing better that a man should rejoice in his own works, for that is his portion, for who shall bring him to see? And what shall be after him? The word portion is mentioned here. It's mentioned in chapter 2, verse number 10. It's mentioned in verse number 24 of chapter 2. It's mentioned in chapter 3, verse number 13. But look with me, if you would, at chapter 4, verse 18. It says, Behold that which I have seen. It is good and comely or beautiful. 
for one to eat and to drink and to enjoy the good of all of his labor that he takes under the sun all the days of his life, which God hath given him, for it is his portion. Look at verse 19. And every man also to whom God hath given riches and wealth and hath given him power to eat thereof and take his portion and rejoice in his labor. This really is the gift of God. And so he's given you a gift and that is your portion that he's given to you. And you have the right to be able to enjoy it or, or you have the right to not enjoy it. And you can go ahead and, and be grumpy and you can go ahead and be dissatisfied and you can be discontent with what God's given to you. But the best thing you can do is humble your heart and realize that God knows best so that you can live and be what God wants you to be. Humility is enjoying what you cannot explain. Humility also, in chapter 8, verses 16 through 17, humility is discovering what you can't explain, and we can't explain it all. God has concealed things on purpose so that we might know his greatness and our limitations, motivating us to seek him. And, And I can't explain why all of these things have happened all at once, but they do. I remember sitting down with Brother Ray Mila. He might be watching tonight too, but I don't think so. But Brother Ray said, you know, Pastor, I've, I, I, I can't take anymore. You know, he had a, a UTI, which led to sepsis, which led to cellulitis in his leg, which led him to a discouragement to say, why is God allowing all this to happen? So they finally were able to get him healthy enough. They sent him home, and he fell and broke his hip. So I go to the hospital, and he's laying there with his face out toward the skies, and he's like all concerned, and you can just see there's that eyebrows down, and there's that confusion. I don't understand why all this is happening to me. And I thought to myself, what can I tell him? I know how you feel? No, I don't know how he feels. And so all I could do is just read a few verses and have a word of prayer with him and then be on my way. So they put him in a home. And his wife's able to stay with him. And then she wanders out, so she gets put in memory care. And then they have to sell their home to be able to stay there. They sold their car. He has a walker with a catheter. How can things get worse? They can't. Oh, they probably could. But I'm telling you, with all of that happening, how can someone get through it? without humility. How could Jesus have suffered so much for you and I without humility? I often wonder the song, and I remember what Dr. O said too, what would I do if people were spitting in my face and pulling my beard out? What would I do if I was hanging on the cross and they were mocking me? I would probably say, okay, I've had enough but with humility and lowliness of mind, Jesus suffered and did all he could do for you so that you could humble your heart so you could come to him. It confuses us sometimes when we go through all of these things at one time. And I remember recently talking to him this last week now, Brother Ray, and I'm getting some smiles back again. He seems to be a little bit better, a little stronger. I go upstairs and I sit with Jean and I don't think there's a sweeter couple to be honest with you. 
Jean is talking about how she can give everybody in the place there the gospel. That's her goal. I walked over and sat next to her for a little bit. Everybody keeps telling me that she's losing her memory, and she says, oh, pastor, it's you. Can we go over here and talk? And we, we got up and went into another place because they were showing an Elvis movie, and I wasn't really interested in an Elvis movie. Remember? He doesn't impress me. But I thought about this. If you seek me, you'll find me. And how she is constantly humble and meek, spirited, and she is doing just fine. Oh, the, the food here is really nice, and there are some really nice people that work here. And look at all the friends that I've got while I'm here. Nothing but goodness. But if she was to say, I don't deserve this, I lived all my life and I had all the things that I had and now I just have a dresser with a few things in it. How could this be? And she could be getting bitter, but she's not. She humbles her heart before God. I think Jesus Christ came to us. Because we couldn't go to him. And he came on this earth and he suffered and he went through what he did for 33 years before he was crucified just to experience what we go through. He came to us because we couldn't go to him. But while he was here, he said, come unto me. All ye that are what? And heavy laden. And I will give you what? Rest. Yeah, rest of mine. I think the next time you sense your spirit having a tad of pride, I hope you remember that it has nothing, it shouldn't be in the Christian's life at all. You should be humble before God. Do you think that I deal with this? I do, and so do you. And so it's good for us to hear this, that where there's, there's only one way that contention comes, and that's through pride. So the next time there's friction and contention, remember that it's just one avenue, that avenue of pride. Humble your heart. Before the person that's prideful, yes, be meek and lowly of spirit. And by the way, that takes a whole lot more strength and a whole lot more power, and you don't have it but you can yield to the Lord Jesus Christ and he'll give you that spirit of meekness and humility so that you can get through the problem, whatever it is. Is this something that we can actually conquer? I don't think we can really conquer pride until we meet Jesus. I think that we have the issue of pride and I think it's one of the biggest problems of our day. causes division causes depression, causes discouragement. And so seek and pursue humility, and God will give you power and strength to be what he desires. The question would be, would you be willing to humble your heart and ask him for help? If you will, he will come, and he will strengthen you. Every head bowed and every eye closed tonight. I don't know about you, but I did business with God during this sermon. So I was studying it, I began to cry a couple of times because I realized my condition, 
But I can tell you that God is willing to forgive. And he's willing to strengthen you. But you must humble yourself before him. I don't know if everybody in this room has trusted Christ. I believe you have. But if you want to come and talk to God tonight about what's going on within your own heart, then why don't you come? With every head bowed and every eye closed, why don't you stand where you are? I'm going to pray, and if you need to come to an old-fashioned altar, why don't you do that? Let's all stand. Father, I pray that your Holy Spirit would guide in the invitation in Jesus' name. Amen.